And welcome to another edition of the Embodied Rebellion podcast with me, your host, Owen Bailey. And me, Jason Moore. Jason, how are you I'm doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I've had a little bit of a trip, of away, a trip away, but I'm back in the UK and all good. That's right. So those of you who listened to the previous podcast, you would have found that we tried to have Jason uh, co-hosting on the podcast, but it just wouldn't work. We had a few technical issues, so... Jason had to drop off the call because he was in Norway doing some wonderful creative stuff over there. But now he's back in the UK and I miss him. I haven't <laughs> seen him for ages. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. But we're still having our having our great uh, conversations. Yes, as always. Absolutely. As always. And today we have with us uh, Natalie. Oh, Natalie, I don't know if to pronounce your, sec- your uh, surname. Elaine, yeah. No, well, almost. Oh, Natalie, yeah. Natalie Elaine. I just made it posh. I said Eleni. Natalie Elaine, who is a social justice mentor and business consultant, writer and activist. So Natalie, that's a very, uh, for me, that's like a very powerful title. So tell me a little bit more. Tell me a little bit more about uh, you and what it is to be a social justice mentor. I think... I mean, you say it's a very powerful title and that that I'll take the seeds and water them and say thank you. But it's just I see myself as a person of many talents and many passions or talents um, at growth and skills grown through um, following various passions. So I'd say at heart, um, I'm a writer, I'm a creative um, and I'm an activist because, you know, I mean, I care for the state of the world, for people, for people's rights. Um, and that's what I advocate for, particularly marginalised people. Um, so that's where the social justice mental comes into it. Um, and I try to execute um, equality and equity on an institutional level. So I tap into work with businesses and consulting them how to make institutional change um, to become more inclusive. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Thank you very much um, for introducing yourself or telling the people about you in such a, I've, you know, I just find it really powerful. I was sitting there quite, uh, feeling quite, feeling that in my, in my body, actually, you know, as you were speaking to me and maybe because that's something that resonates quite deeply uh, with me as well. And the sense of justice, yeah. you know, in the world or whatever that means for people, you know, people fighting for justice, standing up for justice. Or for me, I've always had a sense of not liking things that were unjust to uh, myself and yeah, other people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you. <laughs> and of course, there is a there is a question that I asked uh, all the guests here uh, during the title of the podcast being Embodied Rebellion. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to ask you, what what does embodied rebellion mean for you um to me it's kind of like i feel like a righteous defiance so you know going against the grain but in a positive fashion um with perhaps the embodiment with you know one's whole being or all of one's actions perhaps um yeah that's what i'm what i'm feeling embodied rebellion yeah I don't think it's a necessarily a negative thing you know when you think of the word rebellion you think of um 
perhaps someone that needs to be in prison or not necessarily really um it maybe like a, a freedom <laughs> fight um yeah that's that's what i'm getting um yeah cool i was just sorry to interrupt i was just thinking i was uh, this title social injustice mentor is is on my mind and the reason being is i was as it's interesting i was uh looking through facebook as one does uh and i discovered a therapist that in america that i've been chatting with for a while um is a strong trump supporter which i didn't know that and i figured that out. and i was like oh gosh that was sort of interesting to mm. me and then i saw someone else saying oh well if you you know you uh, i should block going to block people who are you know trump supporters or whatever going to block them and and i was just thinking that your the title of social injustice mentor to me is reading like let's speak let's not just cut those people off let's actually engage so we can learn from each other and i, I don't know if that's the kind of work you're doing but it seems like let's go with the enemy so to speak uh so that we can all grow and actually learn instead of just cutting off and then making the war worse than it is i don't know i know that's suddenly gone totally off what we were talking about <laughs> but it just came to my mind because i think it's such a great social injustice mentor such a great title because it means so many possibilities and i just wanted to just ask is that is that also is that, i mean not obviously your best friends with the enemy but do you speak to the enemy whoever they may be is that also part of do you feel in your activism and your creative writing, I think you just said, do you think that's an important thing or do you think we should not? I don't know. Um, that's, no, it's yeah. a really, really good question. And I definitely do engage with people who may not hold the same views as me. And this is a, mm. a, a, a massive thing, but I guess I'd say because I feel as though um, I have the capacity to do so. Not everyone who is mm. from a marginalized or underrepresented group has necessarily the energy or the capacity or the want or even feels the need to engage with people who would mm. sort of readily oppress them in various you know fashions or support mm. systems that oppress them or suppress their rights so I just want to mm. say that because I don't believe it's um, anyone's job to inflict that responsibility or to force that responsibility on anyone but um, mm. I, I feel as though I have a need and I have a capacity to offer some engagement um, to people who need learning um, or, you know, who are open to exploring um, and opening their sort of view of things. Um, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Often, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't sit around and try to um, persuade or to convince people, but mm. naturally, I mean, me working with, with corporation, a corporate might offer staff training to a whole big group of staff and not all of the staff are going to be on board um all of the staff yes. are going to feel an individual affinity with the things i'm saying so naturally I, I come from a very um objective point of view at times and i have to be open to, and not combative um often sort of having mm. conversation opening discourse um really so yeah it's definitely it is an element of my work yes and how do you cope with any like triggers that come up for you how do you cope mm, with that? that that's a really 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 good question I think the honest truth is that depending on who I'm working with and what I'm saying there's a part of me that dissociates very slightly um I realize mm. that this isn't 
about me. I'm not here representing myself. This isn't about me and my emotions. It's about trying to represent mm. a wider cause. And in order to do that, sometimes mm. I speak about, about sort of, you know, my demographic in third person. Um, so I may say, um, instead yeah. of saying us as black people, I may say, um, you know, black people, um, for example. Mm. Um, yeah, there is an element of dissociation, but in a positive sense. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Can I come to one of your classes, please? <laughs> I think I can learn some stuff. It'd be great to have you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, Natalie, I was, I was uh, uh, this morning, I pulled up a, an article, a very small article that you wrote. Um, and there's a line in it that I just want to, uh, a paragraph in it, I'd like to read. Okay to you and ask you to pick up on 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 this in terms of you know you're talking about justice all over the world and in in the context that you wrote this because this feels a little this feels into me in the part of um like the embodied rebellion part where uh, i often say and i think i've said at every podcast for me it's Mm -hmm. about picking up the pieces of the shattered selves and the shattered world and at one it's standing for one injustice is yeah. standing for all injustices but let me just let me just read this to you as well because you said you won't convince me you will not convince me that god has chosen me to receive over a tortured child in yemen you will not conceive me that my divine light is greater yeah. than anyone else's you will not sell me a to a god of yeah. supremacy. Yeah. So, t- tell uh, from from what I'm picking up on the article, we're talking. Yeah. It's a bit about privilege here. It's about um, you know we're all, we're all privileged in some yeah. sense, um, I believe. So, but you're talking about seeing you know seeing your privileges and uh, as a response as a responsibility in a just yeah, world exactly. to make changes. So just 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 talk yeah. talk to me a little so bit more about that, that, please. That was sort of inspired of sort of living my life and people saying to me, "Oh, you're so blessed." Anything that say um, I have or what I'm good at or things I have access to, um, oh, you're so blessed. Or even just you know um, having health, um, oh, you're so blessed. You're so blessed. And I understand the sentiment, obviously, but I think it's very important to acknowledge that. Um, a lot of what people call blessings are social privileges. And in saying that someone is blessed or is receiving, you know, a divine sort of rights or divine sort of access from God above someone else for no clear reason is supremacist. And I think it's very important that we acknowledge, you know, where we stand in society and, and what our social privileges are. So for example, my healthcare, my, my health may be great because I have um, access to a good diet, access to you know open space, clean air, clean water, hospitals, GP, um, and not you know necessarily because I'm you know some divine gift has been just um, bestowed on me. Um, and I think practically language obviously you know sometimes it's used as a metaphor but I think language is very important 
and sometimes it can shield people from responsibility from acknowledgement um, and obviously if we do that then we we block we block the path to actual change that will help other people have the same access to facilities and and such as say someone as I do That's I was just when you were saying that the blessed and blessing, it's very interesting. It's and and then you just just listed the whole mm -hmm. health thing with the doctors and the and the and the phrase to, came to me which is count your blessings, mm -hmm. and it's it's that it and what's that's interesting is that you once you've and it's great. It was just thinking of how putting into perspective that someone said you're blessed with your great health is an example you used, um, and then you listed them, which is like counting. The blessings which is the the privileged or whatever that that's your blessing you have and actually it's it's counting them and saying how can then someone else who doesn't have that how can we give that blessing so yeah. do you know what i mean so it's transferring to somebody else because instead of just saying oh i'm blessed end of but you're by counting the blessings and going well i've got good water and i've got and I've got this and I've got this and I've got this and then you're looking at someone who doesn't have this how can that you know it's it's like putting it into perspective like as yeah. a spreadsheet or something but it's kind of uh honing in and going okay I have this how can how can we give someone else this um that was that just came to me as quite an, an interesting yes. way of yeah doing it more methodically as opposed to uh blank sayings yeah, like you're exactly blessed. yeah and understanding that um if saying using the word blessing is um sort of hmm. so even if it's a metaphor for how grateful someone is it doesn't mean mm. that it's beyond the reach of anyone else so that exactly as you've said we yeah. can work to give other people these uh privileges and blessings and gifts mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're not out of our control. Yeah, it's funny. Sorry, they're not out of our control. Sorry. They're not out of control. Because I was, as you guys were talking, I was actually thinking about gratitude. And, you know, many of us, or many people have a practice where they would write the things they're grateful for in the morning. And I myself have, have taken that practice over the years. But actually, as you were just talking, Latin, I was thinking, well, that is, you know, actually, yeah, I go, oh, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. And it's almost, uh, as Jason rightly put it to me, it's not like a, it's not like a checklist. It's a, it's a count list. And it almost, for me, feels like a, 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 a head thing, a, a mind, not mind, a head intellectual mm -hmm. exercise and activity as a tick list and not an, not an, I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but I guess for me, sometimes it has felt like that and not, a, mm. not an embodied experience mm. of the things that I'm actually grateful for mm. because it's been so played down mm. to a, almost like a tick list. What are the three things that you're grateful for? Or the five things that you're grateful for? And I understand it because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way of, getting people started into actually looking at the things that they're grateful for and receiving those instead of just yeah. writing a, a list every morning mm. of all the things you're grateful for. So then I guess part of my question is, are we, is that then taken away from the actual 
beauty of embodying the things that we're being blessed with or the privileges that we have and the things that we're grateful for. Because if we don't embody them, then how can we then look at things, actually, I want to share this. Because as you guys were talking, I think actually it can feel like a, a separate, alone thing, actually. I'm separate with my privileges and these yeah. make me feel good because they will help me they will help me through my day but then as you as you so rightly said then how but then how do how does that yeah. spread out into the world mm. how does that share for all the injustices that are happening you know in your city in someone's city home country yeah well i definitely think that um reducing the things that we feel blessed for as a sort of a a basic checklist definitely does take away from embodying what what those privileges or blessings mm. actually are um, and what they actually look like so for example in my example of good health um, it can be broken down to various factors and those are the factors that I'm also grateful for um, and in sorry I've kind of trailed off sort of forgotten your second well, I was just thinking it's like a like a, it's sort of like a diffusing in, entitlement mm. in some ways, because if you're going down to the blessings and looking at that, then it's not you're looking at that. Actually, we're all entitled to the, to, to to the example yeah. that we're using of health. Um, and it's not just me because I happen to live in a country that has NHS still, apparently. Um, you know, it's 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 very interesting how. It's just bringing it right down and taking off the um, arrogance is the wrong word, but that kind of expecting yeah. entitlement. So it's 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 bringing it down. Be better than yes, yes, and bring yes, better than and bringing it down to that that basic human level and and human sharing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and this is what justice is, and the difference between say. Um, fairness and justice is something that I talk about quite a lot. Um, sometimes, where you know, to give everyone the same thing doesn't mean giving people justice. Mm. People in different situations mm. need mm. have different needs in order different. to bring them to a yeah. certain standard of of living and yeah. being. Um, something mm. I advocate talk about quite a lot as well yeah mm. i was watching something i'm watching a tv series on netflix a certainty and i'm not going to mention it because it kind of gives it yeah gives it weight but i'm just gonna say it's a certain tv series on netflix and it has a certain politician that we had in our eight in the 80s um and listening to this person speaking about just get yourself together just sort it out and it was like wow <laughs> it's like it you know yes maybe some people can just get themselves together and sort it out but other people need a helping hand to get to that that level and I think it's recognizing that and I think if we're going on about saying oh I'm so blessed and not looking at the the, the list and then looking at actually maybe the thing one thing that I have really have and maybe I can share mm -hmm. a bit of that can give that hand up to that person to get to the level of of then being self-sufficient or whatever in any way 
physically, mentally, spiritually, and then they can then give their hand out, and it's so and so it, it continues. And it was interesting watching this this show of of our not too long recent history, uh, and thinking, wow, that was so unavailable in that period. And I'm not saying it's we're in utopia now, but I'm just saying that in that period of time, when I was definitely a young young kid it was very interesting to watch how difficult that was to receive or give or to take or to step up so yeah those hands out once you've counted your blessings and you can share a little bit of that one blessing that you have is the is the great way of helping someone to step up and I don't mean that comes from privilege that means that's a sharing not a look at me aren't I wonderful yeah. giving yeah. you something that's another different thing altogether yeah. um I don't, I don't know if that leads to anything it's yeah. just a thought it, in it my head to sort of think about um or to talk about how um where there are blessings or privileges there's also oppression so mm. um this is basically what we've been talking mm, about they mm, come mm. hand in hand like the opposite ends of the seesaw so when there's mm. and, and, and oppression looks like different things so when you said sort of like um how it's like what like, you know like why can't you just sort of sort yourself out that attitude tends to mm. be underpinned by a whole load of not necessarily like ideologies in someone's mind that are not necessarily at the forefront that sort of stigmatize a person who can't um mm. lift themselves up if you see what i'm saying if if mm. the institution yes. is fair to um an individual then they you know, they believe that justice and fairness is everywhere. And then to turn and look at someone who doesn't have what they have and who can't seem to pull themselves up, rather than realising that there's an institutional problem or a, a, like a lack that the institution is failing, it's easy to um, blame the individual. And it, it kind of, you know, feeds into our sort of individualistic sort of um, culture. People don't tend to give space and... Um, help uh, when I mean help I mean the tools and the space for everyone to achieve a similar quality mm. of life people tend to um, society tends to you know act in a sort quite a supremacist fashion and I'm not talking about just sort of between black and white I'm talking about you know class education ability mm. for example um, someone who may not be able to you know pull themselves up and be most productive at work may be suffering from depression and to say in this example, look at a person like that and condemn them in a way is, you know, it's, it's ableist and it's your, it's notions of supremacy with regards to, you know, neurological function, for example. Um, oppression looks like yeah. so many different things and we become oppressive and we act in quite supremacist ways when we don't um, see the full context of someone's situation and our responsibility. Um, yeah. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. And I think, you know, as you, <laughs> some of that is because, or, you know, I'm not saying I have the answers. And I think you've mentioned a couple of times of an individualistic way that we live. And I, it made me thinking of how maybe we are, you know, mm. many people feel alone in the world um i'm not saying these are people that are alone people with families whatever you mm -hmm. have but we i think there's a sense of feeling alone because 
Mm. We're so disconnected from ourselves and from this world and from being embodied in the world that everything is becomes in our head and everything becomes almost fight or flight. Everything is, you know, the, the reptilian brain is, is just high on alert all the time to defend itself, to instinctually defend itself and, and, and be in a state where if someone presents something that looks like it could threaten whether consciously or not threaten something that I I'm I'm defending or standing up for, then we act in a, a defensive manner towards that thing because we don't understand yeah. it or, or don't want to understand it. Because you know, you've mentioned uh, if the institution is, you know, instead of looking at the institution, they're looking mm-hmm. outside and blaming the people. That is all. All to me, that's similar to yeah. it's easier to look out than in individually. Mm-hmm. And as a as a as a as a nation or a system, so we look out instead of looking in. So that's mm-hmm. why, to me, that's why it happens. That's why education is one of the most important steps in changing the societal narrative that's been running for years and years through yeah. all our histories. Um. And I mean, I'm part of that narrative I'm talking about is again from being individual, from looking out for ourselves, uh, working till you drop down, being that hero, being that, being that, you know, you know, every man for themselves. This type of kind of attitude that wants people to thrive yeah. for themselves in order to build the establishment, in order to feed into the yeah. the, the, um, the structure that is set up or, you know, put in place for whatever, to govern, you know, govern is, you know, to control people, to govern people, to control or to to set a, a narrative that feeds into the system. So, you know, people, those mm-hmm. on top still keep that power. That's how I look at it yeah. anyway. Um, I, I um, often encourage people to ins- explore the fact that the shape of our society if say we look at the center of our society at the core is probably materialism so as you've said we all function and circle around materialism and our value is how much you know economic growth we can generate so how much we can feed into that core into that materialism and people who um are seen or expected to be less productive um in society tend to you know, fall into marginalisation and it could be less productive or, you know, say being physically disabled or less productive or imagined ideas of conceived low productivity. So, for example, um, black people are lazy. So it can be ideological um, or perceived. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like a, it, it's the ideology that mm. your value decreases with how... Um, with your sorry your value increases with your productivity and um your value decreases mm. with your perceived lack of productivity if you see what i'm saying um yeah yeah there's, there's, a, there's an element of, of, of what we regard as strength as well um meaning that, that just because you shout louder and you does that that's does that does that mean strength? But then, what is what is inside? And actually, sometimes the strength comes from actually. This is what activism comes 
activism is, is about strength. It's about continuous strength that we're not not letting go because we see something that's not right. So it's it's which obviously to to some people can be a pain because <laughs> it's like oh they won't go away um, because we want it this way. Um, so it's that kind of strength as well, you know, to, to find that what what is strength you know strength is strength what you've just said productivity uh and and someone that shouts more or is it actually someone who maybe not so doesn't create so much whatever that product is but however what they do create is is got more uh, empower can empower people individually yeah. a lot more yeah. i don't really know what i'm saying there yeah, but, but you get what yeah. i mean it's like where we place our where do we place our value what really is value <laughs> when you say strength i think mm. of the word resistance um in terms of activism because i think you're sort mm. of resisting against injustices but then also when you think of the word resistance you can do you know resistance training so you're building strength um and the word yeah word mm. resistance Mm. sticks out to me a lot when I think about strength and activity and activism I think it quite mm. embodies what activism is um quite well mm. yeah mm. Mm. you also mentioned um in the beginning and, and, and during this conversation uh marginalized yeah. uh marginalization and you know standing up for that or you know the, the injustices within that and you also wrote in an article which mm. reminds me of something of my mom used to say as well actually he says uh you were in a car with your mom driving driving home somewhere <laughs> and you asked her for mcdonald's <laughs> and your mom yeah. says do you have mcdonald's money mm. and I've, and you were seven at the time yeah. so of course you're not going to have mcdonald's money but he really of course you're not you know you know unless you were getting pocket money at the time but i know i didn't get any pocket money but i do remember my mom saying things similar to me like that you know if i asked for something she she would say do i have the money for it and 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 this article or piece that you're talking about was talking about the industrial revolution of money and how marginalized people Mm -hmm. were worked if you like in order to to build what we're talking about to build the institution to build the banks to build this thing where maybe they're meant to stay marginalized yeah. in order to be productive mm. uh what in in the sense of to serve you know the, the the structure and i'm not saying that the world doesn't need people or it didn't need people to make things happen of course it did but i just find it's very interesting how things come together I was reading an article and I was I don't know why I was shocked by this but I you know it was talking about you know how the the the, the working wife housewife came about and part and, and part of how that came about was it was in women would get together in order so that men could do work and do what they needed to do and then they'd come home to cook dinners and so the women were looking after men, and that's how, to yeah. my understanding. So exactly. again, it's economic. And if if we look at history and marginalization, everything comes yeah, to exactly. economics. That's that's um, my argument. Um, and people tend to say that the shape of modern Britain, you know, comes from what happened in the Industrial Revolution. But I argue it's just a little bit before that, um, coming out of sort of medieval, the sort of feudal system, moving through the transition of the Renaissance 
into um, industrial, you know, into the industrial revolution. And in that whole time period, exactly as you've said, um, it's when, you know, we really started to put great focus on economy and every aspect of society, like, you know, revolves around it. When I talk about um, something called legacy burdens, so they would be um, materialism, individualism, patriarchy and racism. And those are the sort of the imperial burdens that we still carry in present day society because of the activities that we, that Britain carried out and Europe carried out, you know, from say the 15th to the 19th century um, in when, you know, society molded to put economics and growth of economics at the core and how, as you've just said, Owen, you know, like the rise of patriarchy in a very toxic fashion happened because, you know, positioning for workforce, women would stay at home um, and, you know, men would go out and work and add to economic growth. And then you have um, racism as we know it, I would argue really was solidified in that time period um, by using people, moving people around for capital gain um, and then, you know, dehumanizing them to sort of justify using them as sort of commodity. Um, so yeah, it, we, I could go on and on and on, but it's just, it's ultimately that we have to look at the whole shape of our society and where we place value and that currently where we place the majority of our value marginalizes many, many, many people. Uh, yeah, and, and status obviously is, is the, the biggest thing because I was just thinking when you were just talking about history, I was thinking about the Second World War when women went to go and make all those um, uh, the the bullets and were doing the work because men were you know men were out fighting, so men, women were working. Women were keeping the country, this country specifically, I'm talking about only keeping yeah. that country going, and then when the war ended and the men came back and women were like well we're, we're going to continue working like no you're not <laughs> you're going to stay at home we're back now and that and some so sometimes major events such as the war shifts things um, and 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 i think it's isn't it, isn't it interesting how we want to go back like that's in our current situation it's interesting when if and when this thing happens it ends are we going to just literally go, go straight back or are we going to look at what happened during that time and see oh there can be a difference and things still are okay and possibly better um i think it's our our habits are so important to us and especially our status in this in this and all everything you've just said as well um it, it's interesting how we are afraid to to to, yeah. to change as well as well yeah. as everything else Absolutely. you've just said as well, of course. Yeah, and it's sort of, okay. what you described there, I, I was sort of thinking, you know, when um, men went and fought in world, the World War and women sort of held down and fought here in Britain, it just shows that when you give people who have been marginalised space, they can actually show you who they really are and how much they can really yes. do. And I think about this a lot in sort of, say, academia, um, academics, and when, mm. how... Um, you know, our, our sort of education system is so white centric and, you know, there've been gatekeepers mm. for 
you've been gatekeeping sort of black and people of color thought leadership and scholars out of mainstream um, mm. academia for you know decades and the losses that we've incurred um, because of that and now this year due to you know horrific events people are sort of um, bringing up a lot of the old not old well yeah a lot of the um, the the thought leadership of yeah you know decades old of thought leaders and, and bringing it up as new when really it's not new um, it's just been sort of mm. marginalized and marginalized and blocked and now that I guess the world has sort of slowed down it's the it's allowed the space for this sort of leadership and thought process discipline to come through mm. and hopefully we can um, reap mm. the benefits of it it's definitely triggered quite a move in terms of organizations and institutions trying to be more inclusive yeah yeah so we just hope that we can take as you say the best things from this moment in time and keep running with them really yeah mm. yeah it's like you was talking it reminds me of like you know when you're when someone you're lying in bed maybe as a kid or as an adult and someone pulls the sheet mm. from the bottom of the bed and just pulls it mm. off you uh, I feel like that's what's that's you know with the with the mm. is what's currently happening in the world it's almost like revealing I was gonna say, uh, yeah, the reveal. I was gonna say, the powers that be, or and I mean the, the the divine power that be is almost like it's pulling, it's pulling the sheet off, mm-hmm. and things are being revealed, um, bit by bit. And you know, some of you know, some of us are seeing clearer, and then people that be some people that were under that sheet, whether consciously or not, are trying to hold on to it because they're afraid mm-hmm. of, you know, what's being revealed about that protection that had shielded them for so long, even though exactly. it wasn't necessarily serving them yeah. in, 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 in fully, fully, but it was still covering them. It was still safety. Mm. It was doing the, the basic yeah. need that we have as human beings, which is safety. Yeah. You know, psychological safety is our basic Wh- whether, need. Whether it's, you know, and whether physical it's healthy safety. or not, we still, you know, that's exactly. our habit, that's our thing. Um, even, I mean, on a very simple, very simple level, I used to, you know, I'd be in the West End of London three, 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 four times a week. You know, it was just something I did because that's where I kind of was as a kid. So it was kind of, and I, and, to, and I was counting on my fingers, oh, it's this month, the amount of months I haven't been. I was like, actually, I don't, it's fine. I'm still here. <laughs> I have, my world has not collapsed, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, that, that sort of, uh, not need, but that habit or that structure—that's a better word—of uh, need thinking that's what my life was and that's how yeah. I played it and that's what it should be is actually not really that. It's fine. It's like I can still, I'm still here, and that fact, mm-hmm. I'm more focused because I am here. Um, so it's we don't always need the structures that we have. We don't always need that habit yeah most definitely and from a sort of activism social justice racism point of view um i think this is why we have to understand that the notions of supremacy um are massive it's huge and they don't serve anyone um Mm. and it's when we link notions of supremacy to say you know value in the shape of society we see that people 
even with privilege, cling to things, as we're saying, that don't serve them. You end up with things like um, disastrous mm. mental health, physical health, um, you know, bad diet culture. You've got this sort of keeping mm. up with the Joneses sort of culture, but I don't think mm. we mm. look into how necessarily harmful it is. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree that it doesn't serve mm. anyone, really. Yeah. it's funny because we can go into so many things even from there like um you know keeping up with the joneses because you know what's underneath all that you know and <laughs> you know why would we want to keep up with people you know what does that you say we think we can, we can go off into the psychological nature of those actions with uh you know the, the, un, un, the unconscious actions that that people take in order to fit in to a society yeah. or to fit into a place in order to feel safe or to feel a part of. So we do things in order to feel a part of, but yes, yet we move around individ almost on an individualistic way and a way that we move alone in the world that we're gathering, 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 that we can't, that we count our privileges and our, and our privileges and our, and, our, our gratitude and our gratefulness for mm -hmm. these things. But these things make us feel so alone and so afraid that we can't still think, or some people, some people still can't think, well, how do I then give what I, what I have to other people? How do I serve the injustices? How do I look at the injustices in the world or in my, in my city, my, in my village, wherever we are in the world? Do I need all these things that I'm collecting? Do I need all these things? What is the value of this privilege that I have? And what am I supposed to do with privilege? Is privilege meant to be kept for yeah, myself? Exactly. Or am I meant to share that? No, 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 please. I think for me, sorry, Natalie, go. I was just thinking for me, it's, they said, if, you know, I'm keeping all, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put all, or someone's trying to have all these privileges that I keep mm -hmm. for myself, almost like collecting them in a, in a, in a, in a coin jar so much so that they become devalued because we've had them for so long and not distributing them as a fear that I won't have enough or fear that I won't have any more privileges to, 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 to just say that I have because I just want to have them because of that narrative that's been pushed out or over the years of, of, of scarcity. Even now in the world, it's scarcity of you know, when the, when the pandemic started, it was, you know, people, toilet paper, whatever it was. We have this, we have this uh, thing that's been built around us to keep what we have and to be scared of losing it, to be scared of actually getting out of our heads and into the, into our bodies and into the act of, you know, I was going to say yeah. into the act of compassion, really. You know, not compassion from, oh, no, I, I, I want to turn up at this place and be compassionate. Compassionate from that full-bodied, you know, being of our, of our wholeness, if that made any sense. We want to be of wholeness because compassion is action. So I think for me, it's how, how do we, how, do, how does one change from counting the privileges to actually yeah. distributing Privileges. I think it's uh, 
that's a huge huge question and i where would i begin to answer i think um it sounds very cliche but it's sort of about changing um the places that you can reach so doing small things in in you know your your circle your social circle your social bubble um i think that's what um individuals can do and continue to learn to unpack um privileges and to recognize what they actually break down to and then on institutional level because i think this is where the major change come from comes from perhaps the majority um can tip you know institutional change i mean of course we can we can we can um we can vote and protest for change but institutionally i think um value the notion of value needs to change a little bit or expand um in order to sort of encompass those without it's a I'm thinking just for, you know, say a corporate organisation who's trying to be inclusive, to share privilege, um, you know, from top down and down up again. There's a whole strategy of things um, from, you know, accountability to changing policies, to changing practices, um, to changing the narrative of how we view things. There's a whole huge set of steps. Um that can seem quite daunting, I think. And I think it leads back to what, what we've been saying about people being too afraid to let go of what they already know and what's really comfortable for them and sort of starting to learn a new way of being. Um, but it's that's it's a massive question and I don't know if I can answer that um, in the time we have or answer it to the best of my ability. So what I think you see what I'm saying. Mm. that's that's interesting you say that in the time that you have because i know um yeah you know mm. time with you is 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 a uh, is a bit tight today and i was going to say we're going to do a part two uh so look out for part two folks mm -hmm. where natalie will be looking at these questions yeah, that'd be amazing. Thank you. Um, <laughs> i hope natalie <laughs> i'm just putting you on the spot here because <laughs> <laughs> we haven't discussed it <laughs> so fabulous <laughs> But I think the reason I say that I do think you know it's it's such a complex thing and a complex topic mm -hmm. that my understanding of it is, is is very small and you know it's it's this is this is this is your thing this is this is your ground this is your understanding and I would really you know look we'd love to continue this conversation another time in terms of how can we really start to make a difference and as you're talking it made me think of we've all stood on the shoulders of those mm -hmm. that have come before us and we and we have new shoulders almost to stand on now or you know the next generation has new mm -hmm. shoulders to stand on like the first woman vice president mm -hmm. or you know the changes that we, you know women are making in the world now or changes that you know some men are making in the world that are looking for changes to narrow some of these injustices and to to um to break down this marginalization so i think i think you know the, there's a lot of work to be done but there's good shoulders being built right now for mm -hmm. us to continue you know um 
this capitalism <laughs> breakdown, if you like. <laughs> I don't even want to say that, really. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, yeah, it, whether, I'm not saying capitalism is wrong. I'm just saying it is what it is for me. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Natalie, I think yeah. we, I wasn't really necessarily asking you to kind of answer that question because I knew it was big. Um, but I would definitely love to continue to terms of because you know, like you, yeah. we mentioned, you mentioned in, corporates are trying to do things differently now. Um, but I'll, it, but it makes me wonder how deep does that really run? Is it a surface trying to do things differently? Are, you know, how tight are you know corporates yeah. or those you know still holding on to that to that sheet? <laughs> You know, just how tight are still holding on to this, that sheet yeah. and are they trying to build a level underneath it to disguise? Yeah, it's natural to have that I don't know. of distrust I mean, maybe because of, our, bit, of our history and because of the way things yeah. have been for so long. But I definitely um, would love to come back and continue the conversation and talk about um, solutions in their various forms. It'd be amazing. It'd be really good. Yeah. I, can I just, I'm just thinking, it's interesting. It is hugely complex. But at the same yeah. time, it's really simple. But I think, but I think it's the complexity to be simple yes. is what's so complex. <laughs> does does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. It's really simple, fundamental thing is to be yeah. see the human being standing in front of you, and who is that human being, and reaching out to that human being. That's the simplest form that I can think of. But its complexities yeah. and its historical complexities are so strong and so powerful. That's what that's that's the that's what is gets in the way, and uh, then our historical and our well, we've just talked all about it. It's that 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 we our mindset is 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 so complex and is changing to simplicity. Um, sometimes yeah. simplicity. Is I the hardest thing agree. To I think what takes most of the time <laughs> is um, reframing the actual problem, looking at where we are, where we've come from, where we are, and our situation, talking through our situation, um, changing mm. or um, encouraging people to look at it the narrative from a slightly different angle that's the thing that takes most of the time once that's done the solutions are really clear um, the story needs to be changed mm. a little bit or looked mm. at differently and that's that's the thing I think that is the most that the, the initial mm. culture change uh, yeah mm. Mm. wow mm. yeah yeah j- j- just as um, this is a, a last wrap up to this, um, you, you, as you're talking, Jesse, you remind me of something someone said. I can't remember it fully, but it's something like when we see someone that we know across yes. the road, we're already working out how to meet them, <laughs> either with a smile or a wave, mm. instead of meeting them mm. as a as a as an embodied experience. What's the construct? Yeah, you know. Yeah, we're already meeting them with a made-up way instead of meeting them wholeheartedly. Um, so maybe, yeah. you know, that's one thing. Maybe we start to need to meet people through uh, through the essence of mm. our wholeness, the essence of of that space of um, presence and not yeah. a form or a context or structure. But Natalie, it's been absolutely fantastic having you here. And mm. thank you very much for, you know, being thank here. You. And I really thank look you, forward me too. to thank part you. two yeah. of our conversation. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs>
So, guys, see you next time. Jason, thank you very much as well. Bye. Take care.